Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Well, like we said at the end of last week's podcast, I hope we have something to talk about this week. Oh, you know what? I'm going to change it. I'd yeah, like we're, we're going to stop saying that. Nothing we're, to talk about. We're I'd like us in ourselves. Just, yeah, I'd like us just to talk before and say whatever are we going to talk about. There's just <laughs> no news worthy of uh, worthy of, of speaking about because uh, the news is relentless uh, lately is. with negativity and you know it, it's true that the media will report more on negative stories than positive stories because there's years and years of research that show that people will tune in for a negative story because it plays into their fears, but a positive story doesn't, you know, people say they like them just the same way people say they, they like uh, positive campaigning by politicians, but respond to negative campaigns. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that in this case, the media, um, what they're reporting on is, is bad news. So yeah. it's not like anything they're manufacturing or choosing to focus on something that, that maybe they shouldn't, uh, you know, we, we went from the truckers to Ukraine, which we're going to talk about. And, you know, the interesting thing is that while we record this episode, a couple of the leaders of the truck convoy are still in jail. They are. And, you know, they're their own worst enemies because, you know, bail is usually for nonviolent crimes, a gimme. Um, you know, if, if, if you haven't, you know, taken a gun or a knife to someone, you get bail because the overwhelming principle, you know, I was never a criminal lawyer, but, you know, some of my best friends are, I keep their, their cards close at hand just in case. Um, but, you know, in my understanding of bail is the principle is they do not want to keep you in jail. They want to release you, the, the, the courts, the justices of the peace, they want to release you into the community with safeguards. But the last thing they want to do is actually keep you in jail. So the fact that they, they kept both Pat King and Tamara Leach in jail tells you not that there's a problem with our justice system, but there's a problem with them because you know, the, the, uh, there's, there's sort of three principles involved in granting bail. Uh, if I can get sort of law prof professorial. Yeah, please, please do. Sure. You, know, you want to make sure that the person is going to live up to the conditions, any conditions that they put on you. You know, that could be staying away from certain places or not communicating with certain people or not doing certain things. So they want to, they want assurances that you are going to do these sorts of things and respect whatever conditions the courts put on you. Now, they also want to make sure that if you have someone who's going to guarantee your good conduct called a surety, mm -hmm. um, uh, that uh, that it's a good surety, that it's someone who um, is understands that they're basically the custodians of you while you're waiting your trial, and that they have things in place to make sure that you're going to behave well and will report you if they if if you don't. Um, they the whole thing about about bail is like I say they want to release you, but they want to release you knowing that you're not going to reoffend. Um, and uh, so, you know, th those are sort of the three things that they look for, that you're not going to reoffend, that, uh, that you have a decent surety or plan, and that, uh, and, and that you, res you will respect whatever conditions there are. And both Tamara Leach and Pat King, as the, as the courts went through it, said, you know what, the things you're charged with are, are you know, I, I think most of them are maximum two years. Uh, mischief is maximum two years, unless they go by way of indictment. And if they go by way of indictment, um, what the Americans call felony, as opposed to a misdemeanor, 
then, you know, if they go by way of indictments, it's up to 10 years. Um, and mischief has kind of a cute little name, but actually mischief can be can be quite serious. And there's specific mischief as well, like mis mischief in relation to a war memorial, which which we actually saw during the truckers. So, you know, you watch the hearings and they use the words of, of Leach and King against them, where they just continually told people to don't obey the law. Uh, that they said that, you know, you know, no jail can hold me kind of thing, and, and we will reoffend. I don't care what conditions you put on me. And, and that was and clever. That was, yeah. that was, that was, a, yeah, it's like, that was mm. a clever, that was King, of course. <clears throat> yeah. um, and that was a, a very clever thing to do while you're, uh, you know, engaged in something which is unlawful and where there are going to be consequences likely coming. Good idea to go on there and, and bait law enforcement and bait yeah. the justice system. Very clever. It's indicative yeah. of this guy's mindset because if you watch any of his videos, um, it's clear that his mind, his mouth is connected to his butt because um, everything he says is just shit. Yeah, and it all came back to haunt both of them because you know they consistently flouted the law. They they resisted. Uh, you know they they told other people to flout the law, and you know in the surrogates that they brought up. I mean, it, it says something about. I'd like to think that I've got some friends who would bail me out of jail if I ever ended up in there. And I then, will. And that well, well, thank you, thank you. And you know, you want don't someone, go don't go going into jail now just to test. No, it. I'm not going to test it. Trust okay. trust me, it is not a place you want you want to hang out, especially no. if you're in 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 bail jail which is you don't get sent to a real jail you're in municipal lockup which is famously uncomfortable no facilities uh you know there's there's no kind of rec room or or yard to walk in and the food is crappy it's it's the worst you know place for custody that you can be in so you know this is particularly terrible for them right now and like i say they had people who um you know pat king surety uh, said that she uh, had known him for four weeks. <laughs> they go way had, back and had no job and had no plan and and literally said when when asked like, well, how are you going to make sure that he doesn't sneak out or do things in the middle of the night when you're not looking? He said, oh well, I got a dog, <laughs> and 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 he'll bark. And say, I think the courts are looking for something a little bit more than a dog. They know, you know, I love dogs. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think they're so they just they torpedoed their own chances. Now, I, sus I suspect maybe they'll come back with a better plan when they're, uh, you know, when they come back for their when, when they actually have to plead to the, uh, you know, they're, they have, you can have a bail review. And when you come back and you actually, you know, plead to the actual uh, case when you're when you're charged formally, then uh, and you know, what the Americans call an arraignment. Um, they'll get another kick at bail and they may well make it because hopefully they have learned their lesson because they just, they've been, they, they've really been their own worst enemies through this whole thing. And it, and you could see the judges wanting to release them saying like, I don't like keeping anyone in jail. So give me a reason to let you go. And they gave them a, a, the, the two justices of the peace, absolutely no reason to release them. So they sit in jail. Yeah. I, I admit that I, I think that the char charge of mischief doesn't really reflect the gravity of what somebody may have done to be charged with mischief. Like, I mean, mischief, mischief is lighting a bag of dog poo on fire on somebody's uh, front front porch and ringing a bell. 
Uh, yeah, it like, sounds, like, sounds like a prank. Yeah, yeah. Mischief is like a, you know, mischief is making a crank call. Um, things you used to be able to do before call display and everything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, mischief is stuff that's um, annoying, but harmless, usually. And, you know, and people on Twitter saying that's all they're charged with mischief. They didn't do, you know, big deal. They shouldn't be in jail for mischief. And it, it seems like it, it, it begs for a new class of charge that is something a little bit with more more gravity to it than uh than mischief well and they say i mean there, there's mischief and there's mischief i mean mischief is kind of a catch-all for 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 going out and, and and annoying knowing people and keeping people from being able to go about their business or blocking roads and, and there is there's a whole bunch of sort of charges um that that you know highway traffic act and you know under the emergencies act now uh, there's all kinds of other things that uh, that they could be charged with and there's no guarantee that there won't be other charges later down the line um when they finally get their acts together or like i said you know if they decide that there's serious it's serious enough mischief um then uh, you know if, if you endanger someone's life by mischief uh, then you're looking at you know ten years plus. Um, so well, wouldn't that be reckless endangerment? Well, yeah, they're, they're, you know, the criminal code has got all kinds of things in it. Uh, yeah, and, it, there is reckless endangerment too. But you know, if if you endanger someone, um, you know, uh, by virtue of the mischief that you 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 conduct, mm-hmm. and you know, and you could say as part of this great big hot tubbing event that they had in Ottawa that that there were people who who were put in in harm's way, uh, you know, it's a bit of a stretch. But uh, there's also the possibility, and I think it was raised at one of the bail hearings that uh, the crown could be seeking consecutive sentences too. So for every count of mischief. And there were at least three that they were charged with, uh, you know, it could be two years plus two years plus two years. Um, so now all of a sudden you're looking at six year sentences. Um, so anyway, I'm, not, I'm not sure. And I think one of the things that the Ottawa convoy and the blockages at the, uh, at, at all of the, uh, the cross border points shows is that, you know, Canadians don't necessarily have the tools at their disposal, both legal and from a policing standpoint, to to deal with these sorts of of this kind of civil unrest that is persistent. I mean, it's not like people, you know, going on on the lawn of the Parliament buildings for an afternoon and yelling and screaming and and uh, beating drums and waving flags and you know showing the peace tower the finger and then they go home. Um, you know, that's mostly just about making sure everyone you know picks up after themselves and no one gets hurt. But this prolonged three-week siege, we really found that not only did the police not have the tools or, or not be willing to use the tools in order to, uh, to bring it to a, a fast end until they brought in the Emergencies Act, and that kind of put some starch in their, in their drawers to, um, to, to actually do that and allowed the, the various law enforcement agencies to coordinate and, and draw on resources. But also in the aftermath, we're now looking going like, well, there really should be something more serious we can charge these people with because they really did disrupt a lot of people's lives for a long time. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what that is. I think that a lot of these truckers who were uh, ripping up their tickets and so on, um, this is going to impact them. I think that they were drunk on their own sense of power, like they were they, they were giddy and they weren't thinking 
and they had a sense that they were untouchable, that they were powerful, and they ripped up their tickets. And even those that didn't rip up their tickets, um, the ones that ripped up their tickets are going to find, uh, I don't know what all the laws are in all the provinces, but certainly in Ontario, if you don't pay your ticket, you don't get your driver's license renewed. And oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's a, you know, a, a life or death thing economically for someone who drives a truck for a living. And these, these people weren't, they just weren't thinking. And then the cost of, of getting their uh, vehicle out of impound, which was about $1,000, I think. Um, this, uh, plus they weren't working for three weeks. And who knows how they've affected their potential work if there are, uh, you know, if you're, if I'm a company that's hiring drivers, do I want one that may wind up showing up at uh, at an event at a protest with my company name on the side of the the trailer? You know, do I do I want somebody who's proven to be uh, what's the word I can use because it isn't dangerous, erratic? Do you know? Mm -hmm. Do I want that? I'm going to choose the people who weren't at the protest. The only thing is, there's been such a shortage of long haul truckers in North America for so long, um, the employers may not have much of a choice in that. But that's their problem. Um, you know, hearing uh, during the Emergencies Act, which you know lasted only a few days, um, we heard people calling Trudeau a dictator and just turn my stomach, but Hitler. Um, people with no concept whatsoever of what they're saying historically. Um, and discuss, saying that Canada, Canada had fallen, that we were under tyranny, you know, and then the, the Prime Minister rescinds the Emergencies Act because it did what it needed to do and they didn't even go the full 30 days. And that sort of got people, you know, the people who said, he'll never let go of this power, it's a power grab. All they had to say was, or what they did say was, um, he did that because of the outcry across the country against him that we led and because the Senate was gonna turn down the, uh, it was going to uh, turn down the, the 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 Emergencies Act approval and remove him from office. And it's like, no, no, and no. no. And you're, they're trying to seize victory from the jaws of defeat. Um, and then we look on the flip side, where there is real tyranny happening in the world, and there re are real freedom fighters. Of course, talking about Ukraine, where citizens are of all ages, okay, not children, but citizens of, of legal age and above, right up into their senior years, are arming, being armed to fight back against the Russians. And that, and that their leader, Zelensky, who got his job basically on a protest vote, much like Trump in a sense, um, not exactly because he wasn't, he didn't go in on the backs of grievances and, and so on, but he was familiar to people through the, his television show in which he played the prime minister of Ukraine and campaign. And then he decided he did that for three years, I believe. And then, and it was very popular. And then he decided to run for prime minister, probably not thinking that he'd get anywhere. And there he is, you know, it's almost like an, like an actual comedy movie. There he is in the, uh, the prime minister's office, but wow, has he shown grit and leadership. I mean, that quotation that, that came out yesterday when the US offered to uh, get him safely out of the country, he said, uh, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. Uh, that's that's going to be a famous quote 
I, I believe, because it really sums up the, uh, the, the, the strength of his leadership and the fact that he's out there. They see him out there wearing the fatigues and, and joining in. Uh, he's an example of, of a leader that uh, Ukraine is very lucky to have. Any country would be lucky to have a leader of that caliber. And the thing that really surprised me, Stephen, is he's Jewish. And um, I, I'm aware that uh, of history of uh, Ukraine not being particularly favorable to Jewish people. Um, and, uh, you know, I have some relatives that can attest to that. But yep. the, the fact that they would elect a Jewish person, prime minister, tells me that, that this is a different Ukraine than the one I grew up hearing about. Yeah, and and he's actually the grandson of Holocaust survivors as well, not yeah. just not just Jewish. I mean, if you're in that part of the world, chances are you are. If you're still, if your bloodline is still alive, you are the uh, child of Holocaust survivors. And uh, apparently, uh, there were you know three brothers, and uh, you know two two of them were murdered by the Nazis, and uh, he's the product of the one that survived. And, and and like you said, there was you know there has been a very very unhappy history of anti-Semitism in that part of the world. And like you say, it makes Putin's claim that, you know, he's there fighting against the Nazis, um, you know, that Zelensky's government is harboring Nazis. And they talk about the, uh, the, As um, the As Asimov Brigade, uh, which, you know, a couple of years ago, it was very, very popular in, in social media to be posting pictures of them. Uh, wearing various uh, various swastikas and SS uh, regalia and stuff as, as part of their their um, they're, they're esprit de corps, if you want to put it that way. Um, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and and and, and they were, uh, you know, they're operating in the uh, in the the Russian contested uh, uh, provinces that Russia Russia just recently uh, declared uh, to be to be independent. So you know, there was a lot of talk that you know that that Zelensky's government was you know being propped up by Nazis, and, and Putin has been saying that he's been saying that you know saying that. As, as late as yesterday and also saying that all the entire leadership were were, uh, were drug addicts for some reason and the thing that put me in mind of that was what hitler used to say about churchill i mean he used to call churchill the drunk all the time and uh, he used to uh, you know again demonize the other side with all kinds of things um of course hitler was a drug addict um and uh, you know his 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 use of of everything from amphetamines to whatever else uh, is 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 uh, is is historical and, and legendary um so you know you always accuse the other person of, of of the thing of which you are guilty yourself but to hear putin try to claim that Zelensky, the son, you know, the, the, uh, the grandson of Holocaust survivors, uh, is, is fronting a Nazi uh, um, organ, uh, uh, government is, is, is just ridiculous. And of course, you know, Ukraine's had this history with, with, with Russian prejudice. I mean, the, uh, the, the Homodor, the, uh, you know, the, the, the deliberate starvation of, of 10 or so million Ukrainians uh, by Stalin. By Stalin, yeah. Um, simply because they were a little too uppity, uh, they were uh, they were not towing the the Stalinist line, so he just took all their food away and allowed them to die. Uh, so there's there's a history there. Oh, there's absolutely a history, and it's. I mean, on one hand, it's inspiring to see citizens taking to the streets, being given weapons and fighting, and it's inspiring. Uh, that at this point in time, um, we the Russians haven't taken Kiev, um, 
they the they've managed the ukrainians have managed to, to keep them out and they've put up a very very uh, proud resistance that the russians weren't expecting and you hear stories about russian uh soldiers uh going up to to, to ukrainians and asking for food and saying that uh, they don't know why they're there um yeah. but they were they were coerced into going i mean there are stories and this is this is the problem right now because we're having a social media war here and russia has always been at the forefront of of of, of disinformation campaigns and poisoning social media uh, someone actually said on twitter it's like where did all the trolls go uh, ever since they sort of cut off uh, russia from uh, from a lot of social media platforms uh, magically a lot of the uh, the trolls have disappeared from from twitter but you know the cyber war has been a feature of of russia over the last little while so it's so difficult to know what's going on um, over there, I mean, you can see the TikToks, and I see uh, CNN is is using geotagging. They're being able to uh, to figure out exactly where things are happening. So mm-hmm. if someone says, you know, we stopped an armored column on the outskirts of, of Kiev, um, they look at the uh, they look at the metadata that's in in the images and are able to actually plot them on a map and say, yeah, this actually happened at this intersection that they said it did, or this other one saying like this Russian video. This one is nowhere near where they said it is, and the date's all wrong too. So there's tons of this disinformation out there, but the you know the Ukrainians are certainly winning. I think the, you know, the hearts and minds of the world with the, the the shows of their heroic resistance, with literally you know with uh, school teachers throwing Molotov cocktails, you know beer bottles that they uh, they fill with gasoline at uh, the Russians. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's a, a guerrilla type war we've not seen before. And, I, and yes, uh, Ukraine has the support of uh, the free world anyways, um, overwhelming support. The question is, is that going to be enough? Is if Putin eventually gets into Kyiv and uh, takes over and deposes Zelensky, um, what is the, if the sanctions that have been imposed on Russia so far haven't stopped him what are they going to impose if he goes in and actually takes over ukraine what more can they can they add um you know the uh, putin is saying that he, he you know he put his nuclear forces on alert uh because the the world is supporting ukraine uh i i don't know how he thinks doing that is in any way going to change the narrative that goes against him he i don't think he cares much about the narrative against him he is so powerful he's a billionaire uh, autocrat um he has people around him who tell him what he wants to hear i don't think he cares if people believe his cover stories about Zelensky harboring nazis and everyone being a drug addict i think he doesn't care i think he kind of chuckles at it you know how stupid the story is because he recognizes it's immaterial because whether the Russian citizens buy it or not, the Russian army is out there. They don't have a choice. So, yeah. but I'm wondering, you know, with Putin ratcheting up, bringing, mentioning nuclear. Now we have to, anyone who's terribly afraid of this nuclear thing, Russia cannot use nuclear weapons in Ukraine or anywhere in Europe without, without poisoning themselves. Um, they, there's no, there's, there's no way that Russia is going to use nuclear weapons in this in this current uh, battle. So 
people, I think, need to dial back fear if they're afraid, the fear that we're going to start a nuclear war. I don't see it happening. Now, world wars have been triggered by relatively small events, which were the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but I don't see the world ready to take to go take up arms and drive the, the Russians out of uh, Ukraine. Do you? No. And and that's what I think Putin is, is has was counting on from from the beginning, which is that no one's going to go to war over Ukraine, that, uh, you know, it's it's one thing I mean, I, I'm quite surprised, actually, that uh, that you know, countries have been lining up to send military aid to Ukraine. Uh, you know, we're used to proxy wars where, you know, we're, we're two great nations don't actually fight each other, but they, you know, they, they equip some smaller players to, to, to fight against each other. Um, and their prestige is, is based on how well your, you know, your players are doing. Um, but uh, I've been really surprised. And the, you know, the latest one has uh, been Germany. Germany is sending over anti-tank weapons and missiles. Um, and, and originally they were kind of ridiculed because they sent, I think they sent like 500 helmets or something to uh, to Ukraine and you know the, and humanitarian aid because Germany has has a bit of a history um, and they're trying very hard to get away from you know any kind of uh, any kind of militarism in their past they want to deny that part of their past entirely you know not not deny its existence but deny it any future yeah and you know now they were the last ones to kind of fall on it France will will send weapons to anybody um, that's just been their history uh, Germany uh, since World War II absolutely not um, and uh, to see them being the last ones finally to say, yeah, we're going to send you the, the, the things that explode to help you in your fight against Russia. And at the same time, uh, um, Schultz, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the chancellor said, mm -hmm. and by the way, we're re we are seriously looking at our um, spending on military for the first time. And we're now going to commit to spending more than 2% of our GDP on the military because we didn't think we needed one. We thought this world was going to be a little bit nicer. Um, and, uh, you know, nobody wants to see the Germans rearming, but the Germans are saying, you know what, we got to rearm because we got these guys on our doorstep. And if they're prepared to go in in a hot war in Ukraine, what else are they prepared to do? Are they prepared to go into Finland? Are they prepared to go to Estonia? Um, you know, Poland. Uh, you know, has has been sending material aid, uh, you know, it borders on, on Ukraine. Um, you know, they've been sending in material aid. So uh, I'm surprised all these Western countries have been actually sending in weapons in order to kill Russians, because I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be you know, minor players doing that. And that just tells you the stakes gone up. But what you said about nuclear, I absolutely agree, because, you know, first strike nuclear uh, war, uh, you know, that, 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 that guarantees obliteration. I think Putin has been surprised too, that his conventional army has done so poorly. I mean, we always talk about the, you know, the Russian war machine and what they spend on it. And I mean, they still spend a tiny fraction of what the United States spends on, mm -hmm. on, uh, on military. Well, they have, but, they don't have the size the, the economy that, I mean, Russia is not uh, a strong economy. No, but they do put a lot of their GDP into into the military, into missile defense, and they've been mm -hmm. sort of the, built up by the American military establishment as the big boogeyman. You know that in China that you know justifies the spending of trillions of dollars of the American budget on on defense. Yeah. Um, so we've had the story that you know the Russian war machine is is pretty good. 
Uh, and it turns out it's not that great. Uh, like you said, we're finding the soldiers, they don't want to fight that the, uh, that no, they don't have the fire in them. They don't, the, the propaganda has not worked. No. And you know, some of these people are, you know, the older people in, in Russia are old enough to remember that the war in Afghanistan brought down the Soviet empire. It, it crippled their economy. It crippled their morale as a people and eventually ended communism more than anything else in, in, in the so former Soviet union. And those veterans, the people who came back you know, like their Vietnam, they came back addicted to drugs and missing limbs and with tons of PTSD and, you know, they became, they came back all broken people. And, you know, that was only, you know, that was 19, 1980s. Uh, you know, that's 40 years ago. Those people are now 60, 65 years old who fought in that war. And we're seeing protests on the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg uh, of people who say, we don't want this war. This is a stupid war. Why, why do we want Ukraine? Um, Ukraine is yeah. Ukrainian. It's not yeah. Russia. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that he's um, surprised that the propaganda didn't work because I think that he is rather distant from the lives of, you know, day-to-day -day lives of ordinary Russians. Um, he's, you know, they talk about leaders being out of touch. He's, he's out of touch. Um, so I think that he expected that his machine, his propaganda machine would, would, he press a button and he he get the loyalty of uh, patriotism of russians involved and they would uh, have a fire in their breast for this war i don't think he expected to see protests because protests in russia not like protests here um you do take a very serious risk when you do a protest in russia and the fact that there's so many people who care enough about this war not you know care about stopping it uh that they're willing to show up and be counted and face possible police action and and not like we had in ottawa but batons tear gas you know the the, the way autocrats deal with dissent yeah it's uh it's i i think that this is surprising i think the the as i said the resistance the strength of the resistance has surprised him the strength of the dissent within his own country has surprised him. And he's at a position now where even if he wanted to back away, he really can't because he has this image he's projected as this strong virile leader. And strong virile leaders don't withdraw. Yeah. They just ratchet up the violence until they get what they want. So this is a, like a zero sum game for him. Yeah. And you wonder what, you know, what his end game was. I mean, whether he thought, you know, like, like the Canadian Druckers, they thought that there's going to be this mass uprising of support or, or at least, you know, kind of go along with it among the Ukrainian people. Um, and that certainly didn't happen. And, you know, the Ukrainians are actually a very nationalistic group. I'm uh, surprised to see that, you know, Canada has the third largest Ukrainian population in the world after Ukraine and Russia. Um, and you know, the Ukrainians, you know, I, I know tons of Ukrainian, you know, people of Ukrainian descent, they're very, very proud of their heritage. You know, they've got a long, long storied heritage, uh, you know, in, in some ways, you know, longer than, than, than Russia's history in, in terms of, you know, buildings and, and kingdoms and all the rest of the stuff. Um, so they've, they've got a lot of national pride there. So I don't think, you know, when 
Putin thought, well, maybe the people like in the, the, the disputed territories in the West, you know, they're really going to be Russian sympathizers. Maybe we'll have a little bit of, of homegrown enthusiasm for, for Russia coming in. So maybe he actually believed his own propaganda. Or he thought that this was going to be with the might of the Soviet, uh, Soviet Russian military uh, machine, that this was going to be a blitzkrieg. There, there wasn't going to be any real opposition and they would just roll over Ukraine and it would be over in three days. Yeah. And they would install a puppet government like they have in, in Belarus, um, where you know you, they put somebody on the, on the throne of Ukraine who is not going to cause them any trouble. Yeah, uh, you know, but it's not happening that way. No, I think that he thought he was he would risk world opinion being against him for a few days. You know, he that it would happen so fast that the world would move on. Yeah, and that he could handle the temporary ruffling of of feathers, if you will. Yeah, and the diplomatic the, stuff where they, yeah. you know, they expel a couple of diplomats and they put a couple more people on, you know, under the Majinsky Act who are, uh, you know, banned from doing business or don't get visas. And, you know, people would make a lot of noise at the UN. And like you say, you know, in a month or two, it'll all be over and he'd be sitting as king of Ukraine. Yeah. And this is not going according to plan. Uh, you know, his, his motivation for going into Ukraine is you know i've read that it's uh he's looking for a land crossing um that he doesn't have right now between between territories uh i don't see any other reason for that i mean those who suggest that uh he's trying to recreate the soviet union at least in as far as insofar as the sphere of influence uh, of these, you know, Russia over these other countries that used to be Soviet nations. And the fact that NATO is looking at Ukraine, Ukraine has been wanting to be part of NATO, and the Russians don't want uh, NATO military, you know, effectively NATO military, if Ukraine becomes NATO, right next door. Um, On the doorstep, sure. Yeah. And okay, that's, that's a matter for negotiation, not for not for a military conflict. Yeah. And the other thing about, you know, and, you know, it started off with, you know, the, the complaint that uh, Ukraine was interested in, in joining NATO. And, you know, and the problem was exactly when that you said that, you know, Russia doesn't want, uh, you know, a NATO ally with bases, you know, with air bases and possibly missiles and all the rest of the stuff on, on their, on their doorstep. But Ukraine wasn't eligible for NATO membership because they had what amounts to a civil war going on internally with uh, with the western provinces and the nato charter says you know if you've got that going on in your country you are not eligible for nato membership until you've resolved that um and there was no you know a close term resolution to that in 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 sight that you know that that conflict has been going on since since you know 2014 I guess um, and well, it's the new. It's the normal for them at this point. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it is. They, they've you know everyone's pretty intense, so, you know, entrenched in it. And either those provinces break off and Ukraine lets them go, or 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 not. You know, maybe you know, as we speak right now, uh, the uh, there's a a meeting uh, that's that's going on right now, or is about to, about to happen, which is the first. Uh, um, um, 
I'm, I'm not going to call them peace discussions <laughs> yeah. between Ukraine and Russia, because I don't think that's what what's going on. I think Russia is going to be giving an ultimatum to uh, to end their um, their invasion of, of Ukraine, which will probably be on terms that are unacceptable to everybody. Yeah. But <clears throat> give us everything that we want. Yes. Uh, with, uh, and we won't take it militarily. Yeah. And then I, I think that's probably pretty much what it is. But like you say, you know, Putin has got this reputation as being a strong man and, you know, he's showing weakness at home. Uh, they've had to arrest, you know, as of today, about 6,000 protesters, which means it's probably a lot more than that. But there's 6,000 protesters in Russia who have been been arrested so far. Um, and they're not, they're not arresting everybody at these protests or they're arresting you know, the, the most egregious of the protesters. And so for everyone they arrest, you know, there's got to be 10 or 20 or 100 other people who are out there uh, waving placards. So this is a big domestic problem for him. And he's committed his, you know, his military is, is being shown as, as being inept. Um, you know, they, they, they can't roll across Ukraine. Um, and, you know, and Ukraine, you know, the, the librarians are fighting back the tanks. Yeah, it's, but it can't last forever. I mean, you know, it's the, the numbers not. Are, are not on the side of Ukraine, uh, unless, you know, there's some kind of a, a you know, a, a peaceful solution or, you know, or a miracle happens. The fact that they're still fighting that, that Kiev hasn't fallen is in its way, uh, a miracle. And a testament to the to the tenacity of the Ukrainians, but yeah, as you said, the long term calculus, the Ukrainians can't withstand this kind of thing for a prolonged period of time. The Russians can, yeah, and the so, but except you know, and the optics, the optics of the Russian, because you know, Kiev is is a civilian capital, is the capital of the government. It's not a military target. Um, and images of, I mean, there was an image just a, a day or two ago of a rocket hitting a, uh, a, an apartment building. Um, and that shocked the world. Uh, you know, we've forgotten about, you know, the Dresden bombings and the Blitz in London and all the rest were civilian target, uh, cities were, were, were pounded into dust. Yeah. Um, and you know, quite rightly, we go like that, that's shocking. That is, that is, you know, actually a war crime. Uh, to be, you know, committing that kind of uh, well, action against civilians, and if they want to take Kiev, Kiev, then that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to fight street by street, and it's going to be televised. Um, it's going to be on Telegram and TikTok and all of those sorts of things. And it's, I think, that will put Russia beyond the pale, and it'll become a hermit kingdom because. If they start doing that, then the sanctions that have been in place so far, I mean, bringing them out of SWIFT, it, you know, really cripples them. Um, they're starting to grab property of the oligarchs in various, uh, various countries. France, uh, um, apparently there was a, um, the, it would be their version of Peter Mansbridge, except, you know, the Russian version of him, you know, uh, except, and also uh, state controlled, who was complaining that his two villas in, this, in the south of France were, uh, were, uh, were seized by the French government because he's on one of the lists um, as, as, as a, uh, I, I think Peter Bandridge would have been thrilled to have two, uh, uh, two villas in the south of France. Yeah. Um, I don't think they, they paid him quite as much uh, at, at the CBC to be able to do that. But, you know, the, the, we're just going to see the maybe beginning a, of that. Maybe a cottage in Bob Cajun. Yeah, well, you know, those are getting pretty pricey too. Yeah, that's um, 
But you know, we're we're going to see Russia really have the screws put them to the point. I was surprised where China finally said, "You know, Russia, you really ought to rethink this." I mean, they publicly said uh, that you know you ought to be coming to terms with Ukraine at this point because this isn't good for anybody. The disruption to the international um, economy is is going to suffer, and there's going to be a lot of casualties on the side. Yeah, you know. It- Something twigged twigged in me when you were talking about the fact that uh, this combat will be telecast. It will be something that uh, propaganda lines from Russia are not going to suffice when people can see the truth captured in video on uh, TikTok, on uh, YouTube, you know, and also uh, Facebook. Reminds me in some ways of America in Vietnam, when Americans, when they started televising the bodies coming back, yeah, when Americans could see the bodies coming back, it changed their entire outlook about the war. It, yeah. it really drove home. These are real people being killed. They weren't yeah, and just statistics. Is, it, yeah. And it isn't halfway across the world either. It's happening in your living room. Yeah. So it, it really turned very much helped to turn the tide against uh, the Vietnam War because it was the first war to be televised and for people to see the actual results of war, not what you see in movies that, that glamorize war, but the actual results of war. And with the uh, ubiquitous of uh, video cameras now on people's phones that they can just transmit to, to the world, uh, it's going to be very hard for Russia to put out a, a propaganda line that anyone will believe. And they're, people are going to see just the images of civilians. I saw a picture of an 80-year-old man uh, grabbing a gun. Uh, the image of ordinary civilians fighting tanks is going to uh, further embolden the world against Russia. And the, the, picture, the picture story is a disaster for them. I don't know that this is going to be his Vietnam, but it's definitely, there's definitely parallels there with regards to the effect of coverage. And there's also some of that, some of that uh, optics of Tiananmen Square with that one person standing in front of the tanks. Yeah. Um, this, this has some of that same uh, spirit to it. Yeah, it certainly has. It's it's done a few things. It certainly mobilized the West. It certainly mobilized the Ukrainian civilian resistance to the invasion. But I think also, you know, and more of a parallel to uh, to the Vietnam War is these images are getting into Russia now. You know, the Russian government is is doing its absolute best to make sure that none of these images, you know, they're cutting off social media channels and and doing what they can. But you know, it, it's such a web now that uh, you know Zelensky actually you know, broadcast in Russian uh, uh, some video clips speaking directly to the Russian people. Um, right. They've had uh, you know um, Russians who have been in Ukraine sending home pictures and videos to, to family members. Um, they, they you know they've you know, cell phones have changed things as well because you know there's stories of uh, of Russian soldiers who've been captured as prisoners of war by the Ukrainians being able to phone home. 
um, directly to their, their family and say, hey, guess what? I'm a prisoner of war and boys had ever screwed up over here. You wouldn't believe that, you know, we don't have any food. We don't have any gas. And the Ukrainians, you know what? They really don't want us here. Uh, you know, we were told, uh, you know, that would be uh, welcomed as liberators. And, uh, you know, that's not it. And by the way, Ukrainians are, are kind of nice people uh, and I'm being treated well. So th there are inroads actually not just, not, you know, the West experiencing this war as it happens to, but Russia, not in, in any kind of official way, the way the, uh, the war in Vietnam was broadcast on major channels in the United States, social media is permeating into Russia and, and telling ordinary people that this war is terrible and really, you know, really an unjust war. Well, um, I, I, I can't really predict what's going to happen. You know, there are so it's like Schrodinger's war. There's so many potential options for where the, the direction this is going to take. Uh, you know, if, if Putin keeps on, uh, I think Ukraine is going to is going to fall to the Russian forces. I hope that it doesn't go that way. I hope that uh, international pressure and the sanctions, even though uh, Medvedev, the uh, prime minister uh, under uh, under Putin, was interviewed and laughed at the 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 sanctions and said that, uh, you know, we have enough to to take care of ourselves and him being them being thrown out of international organizations. He's, he's laughing and saying there were organizations we never should have been a part of anyway. You know, he called one of them a nursing home. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> I went uh, I di diverted myself, but wh whether um, all the bad the bad press is going to stop a country that traditionally doesn't care about bad press because usually they're able to control the press that their people see. That's no longer the case. I mean, for them to just cut off all social media, they don't, it'll be an uprising. Uh, and I don't think Putin wants any problems with his rule within his actual kingdom. No. And, you know, the problem is, of course, that, you know, the pressure gets gets you know, enough. Uh, and it is getting to the point where it's enough because it's hurting them. You know, it's hurting the oligarchs. It's uh, it, it's hurting them, you know, so they're, they're not able to, to travel internationally. They can't go to, you know, I think uh, Medi have said something about, so I can't go to Paris, big deal. Well, you know, a lot of them really like going to Paris. You know, there's a ton and ton of Russian money in, in London, England, uh, you know, in real estate investments, and, and you know, boy, you go into uh, you go up to Barclay Square, uh, just uh, just north of the Ritz in, in in central London in Mayfair, and all of those clubs are Russian clubs. Um, they're they're Russian gangster clubs. Uh, they're very fancy, but you know they're owned and, and run by the Russians. And those are just the ones you see. I mean, there's someone's estimated how many how many billions, if not trillions, of dollars is is invested in in London. And if people start squeezing that. Um, you know, the way, you know, they, they, they did with, uh, with Iran, Iraq, uh, North Korea, and Russian rich people can sit on their multi-million dollar yachts, but they can't go into any harbor in, in any place you want to go to if uh, they can't get their, you know, their monopolies of, of gas or anything else uh, to, to be paid for in, in American dollars because, or, or euros, because they're cut off from the rest of the world's banking system, you're going to start seeing some of the people who've made a ton of money under Putin and they love him for that, start turning on Putin um, because he's now 
interfering with the thing that they loved about him, which is they could make out like bandits and be protected. Uh, you, I think he does risk something from from in uh, from within, because otherwise, uh, you know, again, his end game. He takes over Ukraine, installs a puppet government. The West is going to be more unified than ever against against Russia, and the sanctions are going to be so strong that they're going to be like another North Korea, because uh, the world doesn't need Russia that much. You know, Germany. The last big lever that they had was the uh, uh, natural gas that uh, Germany relies on from, from that comes straight out of a pipeline uh, from Russia. And Germany has stepped up and said, you know what, we're willing to sacrifice that too. So we'll put more stuff into, into green energy and windmills and solar and all the rest or buy it from somewhere else. We will do without you guys. So enjoy your oil. Um, I think that starts making a difference to Russia uh, and you know ends up being regime change. That'll be interesting. It, it, there's, like as I said, there's many ways this could go, and uh, I suspect we'll know more about what the situ- situation is looking like and, and the direction it's going next week. So I encourage people to pay attention to the news, good news sources, not crazy news sources. And uh, yes, some of them are mainstream media, but do you know why they're mainstream? Because they tell the story that's actually happening. And yes. You'll find, ever notice that the mainstream media, they all tell the same story in the same way? Yeah, because they're reporting the same news. <laughs> That's it. They're looking at the same facts, yeah. coming to the same conclusion. Yeah, it's like, ever notice weathermen always say the same thing on every, every channel? Because <laughs> they're talking about the weather. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Um, big weather. So, <laughs> big weather. So, uh, inform yourself and be prepared for us to have a conversation next week. I know what I, I hope we'll be talking about. But uh, the world is on, on tenterhooks at this point in time. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, that's pretty much all we can do. All right. Stephen Lawton's is uh, on Twitter at Stephen Lawton's, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. Uh, I really encourage you to, uh, to find his Twitter account and read it religiously because... Well, uh, no pressure, though. Yeah, because... <laughs> He does keep us up to date and uh, has a, a great perspective on things. So it's something it's worthwhile. Well, and uh, and my work can be seen at newmusicnation.ca. And that's it. Stephen, thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm not going to say anything about what we're going to do next next week. Hopefully, no. it'll just be just be good news. But, oh, boy, wouldn't that oh, be no, awesome? I, yeah, oh, I, I awesome. jinxed us right there. All right. Well, I don't believe in. Oh, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's Stephen Lawton's. I'm Stephen Kersner. This has been Stephen and Stephen.